uh, it's like your cadence and your timing and you're looking at each other. Uh, you see a lot of uh, performing groups, they stand out in a long line and they're listening to the monitors. And so they, they are just as good, but that we have a different style in that we have to look at each other because uh, we can cue each other by dirty looks that Judy gives me. <laughs> or, uh, the, or, we just sang that verse. Uh. <laughs> You're listening to the Beaver County History Podcast, a production of the Social Voice Project. So I want to invite you to come be with us. Check us out online. Speaking of some great bands, we've got it. Take a look, see who's with me. Bluegrass music is a form of American roots music and a related genre of country music. Influenced by the music of Appalachia, bluegrass has mixed roots in Irish, Scottish, Welsh, and English traditional music, and was also later influenced by the music of African Americans through incorporation of jazz elements. Hey, welcome to the Beaver County History Podcast. This is actually our first episode, which is part of our Beaver County Music Heritage Series. And with us today is Dave and Judy Foster, local bluegrass and gospel musicians. Thanks for being on the podcast and talking about bluegrass. What is bluegrass? Judy, <laughs> could you explain that? Well, it's a traditional type of music. It's all acoustic, where you have your, your bass and your fiddles and your guitar and the and the mandolin and so a lot of times banjo but it's very little electronic uh interference so it's more pure um is this old-timey music i would say so <laughs> yeah we we sing a lot of songs by a guy named jimmy rogers yeah. that was from the 1920s he was one of the first country stars yeah. and i i have actually seen a clip of him singing dressed as a railroad brakeman or whatever but he yodeled and mule skinner actually, blues is yes big, yeah, yeah. yeah so we we do some of that because our interest is uh railroads too being from enum valley we're a railroad town so we kind of connect with some of those subjects like that good and that's exactly the point of these conversations is to connect musicians here in the county with their own communities their experiences uh, to sort of explore that why you have an interest in that how it resonates with the community and, and i would love to know uh, how your music is received at the places the fairs and the the um the, the various venues that you play dave now are you a trained musician no i don't have any um proper training i do everything by ear my grandmother was a fiddler she plays piano and she played a harmonica and she tells stories about uh, when they were young teenagers and before, uh, they would have singings. Uh, and this is around this area, the Little Beaver area. And, and they would go uh, every week, they'd go to somebody's house. And she, she played uh, fiddle with a man named Sam Duncan, who ended up being her neighbor when she got married. And they played all their lives. They, uh, they got together and played and played the piano and, and, and uh, everything. People, guitar, people would bring stuff in. And uh, so that was their her, her traditions that she carried on. I remember her playing that for us kids. And by that time, they weren't doing that anymore, but the family was still singing, you know, and, and all my mother's siblings would sing uh, harmony. They would just get together Christmas and uh, all the holidays when any time they got together, 
they were they were singing and uh and, and we're we're still family right yep. father and daughter right. Yep. Right. yeah that's that's a part of this right that's it's, a, it's right. a family thing we have going on here right? and there's something uh, special about uh family harmony because we say the words the same way we cue uh, that's what we like to sing around one mic. That's the that's a traditional bluegrass way to sing around one mic. Mm-hmm. And then when you have a solo, you step in. When you're singing harmony or back up, you're st- you're stepping back, and you listen to each other and you adjust your volume and your uh, cadence and your your timing and everything. And you're looking at each other. And and uh, you see a lot of uh, performing groups they stand out in a long line and they're listening to the monitors, and so they they are just as good but that we have a different style in that we have to look at each other because uh, we can cue each other by dirty looks that judy gives me or, <laughs> or, uh, the, or we just sang that verse uh. <laughs> and uh so uh we have another i have another daughter that sings with us and i, I always tell i have a brother that lives in arkansas and he has a little band that uh, his wife named no bus needed so they're not that uh, they're not that popular in band so uh <laughs> But uh, he always asked me how we got along, and I always tell him that only 30 people walked out this time when we started singing. <laughs> so, but we've had uh, we've been received well. Uh, seems like people like to hear the traditional harmonies and the uh, and the acoustic sound of the of a good uh, instrument, and and that's kind of what drew me. I our first bluegrass festival I went to. I think I relayed a story uh, to several people about uh, there was like this half a million dollar motorhome sitting beside a school bus. And uh, the the motorhome had his awning out, and the school bus had his doors open. Culturally, they were a million miles away, uh, uh, but musically, they were they were one, and they they wanted to hear uh, what each one was playing uh, musically. So they were they were drawn together by the music, and I we see that all the time. And we we go out, we we meet people from all different walks of life, doctors playing banjo, uh, all kind of uh, musical instruments. And there's, and there's people that are classically trained that are playing bluegrass music, and yet they can play with a guy like me who's, who picked it up from, from an old lady who was a neighbor. You know? So that's the way I started. Was, uh, she showed me some chords and uh, worked our way through the Army and all this stuff. And I'm not a good guitar player, but I have a lot of fun doing it. And and that's your instrument, guitar. Yes. Right, Judy. What do you play? I don't play any instrument. Oh, and that's, you don't. That's something that's uh, unique about our group too, because most of the bluegrass groups that we play alongside, they have maybe two or three other people playing instruments. I've messed with guitar lessons. I just don't practice. Um, I I would like to to pick up on some. In fact, uh, Hap gives free music lessons. So we've gone to a couple of those. And this is Hap Wittrick, who yes. is also a local bluegrass yes. artist. Yes. And he, he's like the, the guru of, <laughs> of all of this local music, but we, he, he's a good friend of ours. In fact, we met him here at Darlington. He was out in the yard playing and we were standing around listening to him and we were singing along. And so he, He's a good friend of ours. That's been probably close to 15 years. I don't even know. We lost track, but he, he's a good guy. But that, that's something I, I would like to pick up on an instrument. But. Well, we, we would love to get Hap on the microphone to talk about music as part of this project. It, that would be uh, really important. So when I'm listening to you talk about this music, there's a lot, there are a lot of stuff that's going off in my head. First thing, you know, it's acoustic. It's an older, it's older Americana kind of music, but it's acoustic, which reminds me that, you know, so here we are 
in Greersburg Academy at the Little Beaver Historical Society. You know, this old building has been around since 1802. And I think about this often, you know, before electricity and recordings and all of that, the only music that you would hear or one would hear in society was the music that was made on the porch or in the town gazebo on acoustic instruments, right? So the music that you're playing, it harkens back to those days before recordings and slick productions and all that sort of stuff. And the other thing I hear when you're talking is that this is music that, um, obviously there are recordings of bluegrass, but this is music that is probably best received played live where you guys are doing the interaction and that's the vibe you get. And I'm sure no two song is the same, right? And your audience gets to participate in that as well. So is that the magic of bluegrass? It's acoustic, it's interactive. It has all that going for it. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. It's, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like uh, the feedback that we get from the audience. We may change up what we're going to sing next because we're seeing they're liking that certain type of music or that certain, maybe it's gospel. Maybe that's what we're getting the most reaction from. Maybe it's gospel. Maybe it's the old traditional Jimmy Rogers or one of the old uh, Bill Monroe or something that we do a little bit, you know. Right. That's what we get. We see that feedback we get and we try to react to it. What are your crowds like? I mean... Aside from uh, school bus uh, people and big uh, RV people, are they large crowds that you draw in? Uh, you mentioned that people do come from all over to, to, to attend your events, but tell us about the crowds, your fans. Well, we've been playing mostly lately at these jams, they call them. Now, first of all, the Anderson family that just live up the road, Echo Valley, they would have a monthly jam at their farm, and we would send out emails we would get we would fill up their their pole building with with all kinds of people it was a different crowd every month we never knew who was coming and people were free to also if they played music to get up and play so it was one of not just like a concert it, yeah. yeah so they could get up and hey you have something come on up you want to sing with us do you want to play with us and it it was a warm inviting place family friendly um, the kids would run around chasing the dog and be maybe be in the other part of the building, and the adults would just be sitting back enjoying that. And that room was full, you know. And we we also have a friend named Gene Whalen. He has a outdoor pavilion at his place, and we have sometimes in the fall like a corn roast that fills up, and you know just the same type of a feeling. You know, the people feel comfortable there. They don't have to get dressed up, but they always comment that they leave feeling that, you know, it's been um, fulfilling to them or it lifted their spirits. Maybe they had a bad week and it, it ended their week well, you know. It's my guess that uh, you're not drawing the tailgating Kenny Chesney crowd. No, no. <laughs> it's family oriented, right? Yeah, it's more family oriented. Okay. Try to keep it. And, and that's kind of the message. We ha have to maybe let some folks know they don't always like your song choice, you know, like kind of watching the language of it or the message of it. Um, and most people are respectful of that. Most people can read that pretty well. And then I think we've been trying, like the Butler Ice Jam, we've, we've attended that just to go watch that. Um, Butler, Oil City, Clarion. Um, oh, we just had one at West Middlesex, but they, they rent the whole hotel for the whole weekend. And then people come to jam 
they're in the hallways, they're in special jam rooms together, the ballroom or whatever, you know, whoever's performing, those are usually full. I'd say they're at Butler. I think they estimated 800 people in there listening to to Echo Valley. They packed it out. People want to hear that. Well, and that is a young band, family band, who is is, uh, playing in Nashville. Uh, actually, uh, they they were Dollywood. at Nashville, but they're at Dollywood. Yeah. They're booked the second year at Dollywood this year. Wow, that's that's amazing. It's amazing. It is. It really is. I tell you, I had a rewarding experience one time, and there's this little boy, and he was less than two years old. He wasn't walking well, but it was after or we, we, we weren't playing up front. Everybody was just standing around. Everybody was just playing. And this little guy come up, and he grabbed a hold of my pant leg because he wasn't steady on his feet. And he looked up at me. While I was playing, and he stayed there. I mean, little kids don't have a long attention span. He stayed there he probably for two or three minutes and just watched that and listened to that and felt that vibration in his body, his chest. You know, when you hear those acoustic instruments, it's, it's not just audio. It's you feel the, the air and the sound waves and these upright basses are tremendous in, in rooms this size. You know, I mean, it, it just, uh, it, they're just, that's the percussion part of a bluegrass band is that is that upright bass. You don't have, normally you don't hear a drum, very, no drums usually in this. It's the acoustic is that upright acoustic bass. And let's, let's talk about these instruments, uh, if you will, because I'm sure a lot of people have, you know, most people have seen bluegrass or heard of it, of course, but they've seen it maybe on television. Yeah. There aren't drums typically, Mm-mm. right? I don't know if you know this, uh, Bill Monroe forbid a resonator guitar because he said it wasn't bluegrass. Or it wasn't, it, it didn't fit. Ironically, the resonator is the only American instrument. Hmm. The, the regular guitar is not, the, it's not. Bluegrass was, the Dopiero brothers invented 1928, the resonator. But it truly is the only truly American instrument. But it, it didn't fit. <laughs> now it does, right? right? So it made its way back in. So what, so uh, uh, this upright bass is very common that looks like a big, it's a bass vial, is what it is. It used in used in uh, used in uh, orchestras, you know, okay. and 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 it's bowed normally, but it, it, in this in uh, bluegrass, it's plucked, you know, uh-huh. and it's it's plucked and it's it carries the the bass, the rhythm. It carries the rhythm through the things and keeps it steady. So the and, driving, uh, yeah, the, it is, and yeah. and it, and, uh, and 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 normally it can be heard without amplification. I see it now more that they they put a little mic on it and. And uh, for my taste, they put too much bass on it. Too much bass. Too much bass is my taste. But uh, and you're you're playing a guitar. Is a is the dreadnought guitar, which is a bigger, boomier kind of guitar, the tr- a traditional bluegrass? Yes, it style? is. And, and uh, I tell you, it's, I, I play a Gibson Hummingbird, but the traditional bluegrass instrument that you will see everywhere is the D twenty eight Martin. Oh. And that baby, it reaches out. It, yeah. it, 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 it the mid tones on it, and, and the highs it just get it. And they they pick out these. These very uh, intricate leads. Uh, that on the, it's this flat picking that uh, Judy mentioned early, earlier. Um, it it, uh, it it just uh, it just pierces, and uh, then of course you have a band banjo and a mandolin. They're high and they're they're grabbing the attention, but these Martins they'll get it. They'll get a good job done. They're good. I think you're rather fond of these Martin D28. Uh, that's good. That's a good guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you mentioned the banjo, mandolin, the traditionally a dreadnought guitar, an upright bass, harmonica? Sometimes. Sometimes? And, and also, uh, and, and really, somebody will just pull it out of their pocket and, 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 be, and just jump right in. And they, they'll do leads. Uh, like, uh, they'll start out, maybe the local will start out, and, you'll, and then the, 
the, the mandolin will take a lead mm -hmm. and then they, and they'll sing a little bit more and the banjo will take a lead or the guitar will take a lead. And I, I always like that because I've been in other round playing with other groups was a service or something. It seems like the one is trying to play louder than the next. But when, when bluegrassers are playing, they'll back off. They're respectful to the other guy's instrument and his, his talent. Now, why is that? You know, bluegrass started in the 40s. I mean, there were microphones. Well, how come everyone didn't get their own microphone? What's the origin of that, you know, playing to one mic and then the turn-taking? Do you know? I don't. I think it, I think it might have something to do with the, and, and this would be a question for Hap Wittrick, but I think it, it has to do with, it, it's a similar to jazz. Jazz does that too, where, oh. where you'll hear the jazz uh, players and it'll be their tone on the xylophone or the, or the piano or the or the trumpet or the trombone or or the lead guitar you know now that that's very interesting Dave. so that's that sort of you know the playing live but the listening the recitative sort of dynamic that is there that is also evident it, well you know jazz is an Af is an african-american yes. has african-american origins bluegrass is folk it's americana too that's interesting that those two things work like that they do fascinating and and i i was told this story that uh when the railroads came through the hills of West Virginia, and, and uh, they, there was the Appalachian music, which was basically uh, the Irish. Uh, and, and a lot of the bluegrass songs, you can hear an Irish flavor to it. But then they heard the black harmonies and the black uh, rhythms, and they kind of got together. And bluegrass has a lot of that uh, soulful sound, and it's blues, bluegrass, you know. It's a blues, uh, bluesy sound. A lot of that stuff is real bluesy. Right. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, you'll hear some of those some of those string bending leads, you know, that you, you hear them do. And that is, that is, that is soul music, right. you know? Is bluegrass music well-received in Beaver County or, you know, the, let's say the region? I mean, you tell me that you guys have this, you know, there's a following and people come. And we should mention your, the name of your band is East of Enon. Yes. Right? And you're on Facebook, so someone can look yes. you up on Facebook yes. and see you and um, become a, a, a groupie and a follower. But how is... What's the state of bluegrass generally in the counties? Is it niche, as they say? It just uh... there is. And uh, now I, we had the, the uh, Brady's Run Bluegrass Festival for many years down there. And that's another thing. Hap was instrumental in, in in starting that and keeping it. He was in a band down there. There's a band called Beaver Creek. It's really a tremendous band. But uh, I don't know what caused its demise. But they, I, I talked to people that have been there, and I regret never have attending. But it was just packed. That whole park was packed full of people, and they would camp and stay and listen to. They'd get uh, well-known uh, bands to come in, and then that would there would be draws that had people. But there, there was still that jamming was going on all the time too. You know. So I, I'm I'm just curious about something, and maybe Judy, you can shed some light on this. So if it's popular, if these venues get packed, you know, when I turn on the radio. I ain't hearing bluegrass anywhere. How come I'm not hearing bluegrass on the radio? Is that a, what is, is it, does it not have the kind of commercial appeal that would, you know, make it appear on the radio? It might not. And we, we were talking about this. There's a, was it Sirius Radio or XM? Sometimes they'll play the same songs over and over. And, but there's a station that you can listen to all bluegrass all the time on XM. But yeah, you know, really, there's nothing like that around. We thought that somebody would get, get like a talk show going and, and request songs. Now, I will say in Pittsburgh, Bruce Mountjoy 
I think he has connections to Pitt. I'm not positive. But he, he has been to Enum Valley Day before. He's come up. He's friends with Echo Valley kids. He's had them play um, different venues down that way. He has a radio station. I want to say W-Y-E-P. Does mm-hmm. that sound right? Yeah. Um, so he has a show. I think it's every Sunday night at 8 o'clock that you know people call in. So that's kind of a local thing that he... He's been up this way, and and, and Enum Valley Community Day, this is the fourth year we've had a bluegrass festival attached to to our regular community day with our parade and the whole town being involved. We've had maybe three or four bands each year that we hire to come, and we pack the tent. You know, it's not a humongous venue, but people just want to come in and relax a little bit and they seem to enjoy that Mm. how does bluegrass fit in with this new country so the country music awards were on the other night and i happened to see that and it was nothing i recognized from my growing up it's a whole different world uh, Mm -hmm. with this new generation of musicians and i uh i can't imagine bluegrass fitting in unless it is this thing that you mentioned earlier new grass right so there's a new grass young explain what that is um you were talking about that a little bit, Dad. Like more of a the jazz influence that they just kind of improvise, and maybe they're playing some more repetitive things, not and new things, new songs, not necessarily traditional bluegrass songs that a lot of people recognize. You know, trying to maybe let out their creative side a little bit. And are, they, are they electrifying their instruments? Is, uh, um, putting some I, distortion pedals on I've seen a little bit there? of. Uh, electric bass sometimes when we're out to go back a little bit with the bass if you can play the big bass you're in demand and we had have a friend that he he'll step up and play for us his name's jim edwards from the erie area and he goes to all the the different jams but one day he was playing in like 10 different bands or something because they don't have a bass player the bass is usually something that is the first thing that gets electrified if, cause it's easier to tow it around. Um, just probably for convenience sake that they, they pick, you know, electrifying that. But I'm curious about, you know, where this music is in terms of today and maybe the future. Do you see that bluegrass will continue being popular here in the County, at least in the circles that you guys play? Uh, that it, it, it may even increase or, or not. How do you, what's the future of bluegrass in, in your experience? Myself, I'm not really sure, but I will say with the Anderson kids, Echo Valley, that music really speaks to those kids and they practice and practice and they hone their skills and they're excellent. And they've had some classical training too, but they're involved in a group called Tomorrow's Bluegrass, I think. It's something like that. There's a gentleman maybe from Kentucky that they met up with that he has, he's going around the country looking for these young kids playing and trying to build them up and getting their, their talents honed a little bit so that they're ready to, to keep going if they, they choose to travel around. As far as this area, I, I, I don't really know. Maybe one way to maybe think of this is um and think of your experience you mentioned a little two-year-old are you seeing younger people coming to these bluegrass concerts more diverse people is that a sign of where things are what i see right now 
And I, I see some young people, but when you look out there, it's mostly blue hairs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> old people. <laughs> old people. And, uh, and, and they, uh, that's, that's mainly who we're playing to now. I think some of these younger bands that were mentioned before with the, uh, the, the new grass, uh, they have a following. They have a following. And, and, uh, and they wouldn't be playing that on XM if they didn't have a demand for it. To me, they have a whole show every day that's just nothing but new grass. And I'm not interested in it, you know, but uh, there are people <laughs> you know. that are, obviously, yeah. you know. And, uh, and so uh, I think it's going to evolve uh, some uh, and, and, and slide over in that. But you'll even hear some of those new grassers go back to a traditional one. And uh, I, I don't know. I've, I've found that when we're playing, and again, I'm looking at blue hairs out there, they appreciate songs that are familiar to them, mm-hmm. you know, rather than a, a new song that they never heard before. You'll see their eye. They'll it'll bring back memories from, from uh, you know their childhood or or, or their their upbringing, upbringing and their dad or that we've had people come say that song I haven't heard it. My dad used to play that when I was a little girl, you know, or something, and I haven't heard it since, you know. Uh, and that's just I think it is our niche, the old railroad songs and the old traditional uh, bluegrass songs and the gospel. We do a lot of gospel, which I think is it, it, it's it's kind of our niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and when we're asked to go play, that's what they want us to play. They want and some uh, we do some uh, uh, patriotic stuff too. So and this is such a good way to sort of wrap this up to come full circle back to the historic historicity, the heritage angle of bluegrass music. You know, I mean, I, I think uh, you know, rock, you can trace rock and roll back to its origins. You know, and that's that's very fascinating in itself. But. You know, I don't go to Jurgles and say the latest band, and I think this is historic. You know what I mean? This has to be preserved. There's, you know, heritage va- value in this. Bluegrass, I do, and I think you would agree that there is in this musical tradition, this genre, a heritage and a history that we should pay attention to, whether we like the music or not, or fans or not, or whatever. We should recognize. So here we are in a, in a history museum, and it just it super reminds me that. The music that we play in our lives is valuable, and we should pay attention and um, perhaps even pass it on and teach the next generation. Are you guys uh, teaching any bluegrass to any up-and-coming people that you know? Well, I'm not. Uh, we mentioned Haps. Uh, he's got a musical program down there at his yes. church. Down, It's called Hum Church Music. Hum Church Music. And that uh, stands for? Homewood United Methodist Church Music. Yes. Yeah. And it, there are some kiddos there they they have probably a handful to 10 kids uh every other week and uh they give free lessons but they have you know hap has people helping them teaching the different instruments there's interest there they're they're excited there's a there's a family that's just starting to play together a little bit um, mom plays the violin and the boy plays mandolin he does a really good job he was showing me some chords the one day so it, it's amazing how quick they pick up things hopefully they'll continue their interest and you were you're mentioning about how country music has changed and that's kind of why we pull back to the traditional because to me it's it's not country sounding to me i grew up listening to george Strait and randy travis and emmy lou harris and dolly but just lately it sounds like rap or you know popular rock right now so it's it's not country to me but so that's why we we kind of reach back we'll we'll pull out a george jones song or we'll pull out a merle haggard 
and make it sound more old timey, maybe, you know, just with the acoustic instruments and. Okay, so you're taking these, I mean, you know, this is, you mentioned you do Jimmy Rogers from the right, 20s and, right. uh, you know, probably the standards, the songbook from the 40s and so forth. But here, you're taking stuff from the 70s, 80s and putting your own bluegrass spin on it, uh, vibe to it. Well, that's fascinating. So there's room in bluegrass to evolve, to adapt, to accommodate different things, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. How fascinating. Dave, are you going to put a distortion pedal on your guitar at some time and uh, just to test <laughs> no, it out? No, just shoot me. If, if you see me do that, just shoot me. <laughs> I'm not doing that, though. Get to number. I would love to hear that. That would be interesting. <laughs> Judy Foster, Dave Foster, your band is East of Enon. Thank you so much for being on the Beaver County History Podcast and sharing your experiences here with bluegrass. I find this really fascinating, and I'm sure our listeners will too. And, and I think this is really important just to get this out here and have this conversation about this topic. It's really wonderful. So thanks for being on the show. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having us. For more Beaver County history, visit the Beaver County History Podcast, a production of the Social Voice Project.